Thanks for checking out the Lakeshore Podcast. If this is your first time listening with us, we want you to know God loves you. We want for your hope in Jesus to be renewed and for your faith to come to life. Wherever you are joining us from, we hope this message encourages you. Um, as you see up there, it says Finding Freedom. And really, this, this is not part of our Finding Freedom series, but... I would say that maybe it's part of um, maybe uh, uh, an extension of it. So we had 11 11 messages in there. So this would probably be, I guess, uh, less than 12, you could say. But I wanted to kind of make sure that um, I I followed up on a statement that uh, I made last week that said, finding freedom in your life, right, to live the freedom and blessing that God intends for us. I said, first, it starts with deliverance. And we talked about deliverance last week. And then I said, and it continues with discipleship. And I didn't want to leave that just kind of hanging out there. Because I felt like, man, that's an important topic for us to, to kind of talk about. Right? Because sadly in this world, and really too, I think even in our present church culture, this word does not receive um, its due. There, there's no weightiness to it. Right it, it, in 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 the culture today, sometimes um, the the weight of this wor- word um, doesn't seem to land right among people of faith. We hear it, we know it, but it, but people don't try don't consider or you know they consider discipleship as something. Well, you know what? When it fits into my schedule, I'm going to pursue God. When it fits into my schedule. I'll try to come to church maybe one or maybe two times a month. When it fits into my schedule, maybe, um, you know, I'll, I'll try to come to a church activity if the church has something. And we get this idea, at least in this culture today sometimes, that, um, you know, if we do those things, then we get a discipleship badge, right? We kind of, hey, man. Slap it on there because I made it to church two times out of the month. Or man, I actually opened my Bible one time during the week. Or I did these things. And we, uh, people just kind of think, man, that, that should be good enough. But it's not. It's, it's, it's really not good enough. Because, I'll tell you why. Jesus taught it totally different. Jesus taught it way, way different. He said, if you're going to be my disciple, you got to die to yourself. You got to die to yourself to be my disciple, right? You can't live for you. This is what he says in Luke 9, 23. This is Jesus talking. He says this, Jesus said to all of his followers. Now this is in the passion translation. He says, if you truly desire to be my disciple, okay, you must disown your life completely. Embrace my cross as your own and surrender To my ways. But see, what happens is a lot of times we tend to live like Adam and Eve, right? Because we look at it and go, ooh, that looks good. I want to pursue that. I want to go after that. That's what my heart desires. Therefore, I want to go after that, right? But we have to stop living that way if we're truly going to walk in a biblical example of discipleship. But see, our culture kind of has, has glossed it over or kind of has, oh, there's so much grace involved, which there is. But see, at the same time, there's a challenge 
that, that the kind of the Lord kind of puts out there. And see, we have to realize that, you know what? We're part of another kingdom. If we made Jesus the Lord of our life, then that means we have another, we are part of another kingdom. We have citizenship in this kingdom, right? And this, this kingdom puts a demand on our life. This kingdom puts a demand on our time, our talent, and our treasure. But see, sometimes we think, well, you know, I can just kind of maybe kind of move around some of those things. And man, I'm, I'm, I'm just here for the badge, but I'm not here for like the commitment commitment. Okay. And so what we have to understand is we got to be able to put ourselves in a position and be able to say, wait a minute, I, I, I can't do me without doing him. I can't do me without doing him. So it's, where do you want me to go? Where do you want me, what do you want me to say? What, 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 what are the things that you're speaking to my life and helping me understand so that I can be all that you've called me to be? But see, with that, you've got to change your thinking. You've got to be able to change your thinking to say, man, you know what? It's all Jesus and not about myself. So the title of my message today is none other than, what does your profile say? What does your profile say? Let me pray real quick. Holy Spirit, help us to understand the heart of discipleship. Amen. Okay, so if you're on social media, right, especially like, you know, if um, you're on Facebook, right, you can see someone's profile. If you, if you go past their um, um, I, I was getting this mixed up. But if you go past their homepage, right? They have a homepage and that's all the, the things that are on it. But you can see their profile and you can look and it says all of this stuff about who that person is, right? You click on it and then it says, you know, where they went to school, where do they live, where do they work? It just kind of goes on and on and on. So it's giving this description of who the person is. But I'm challenged because what if God had a Facebook page of disciples, right? And he had certain criteria or certain traits about a disciple. Would, I'm just talking for myself, but would I follow or be in that category, in those traits? And so what we're going to do is we're going to talk about three traits that, that I, I feel is so important. For us to understand about discipleship. Because discipleship, you know, can take many forms. You could say, well, I'm in a discipleship class at church, right? And so that's helping me to grow. But really, you, we have to understand that, you know what? Discipleship is also about you doing discipleship. It's on you. It's not completely entirely on the church to have a class for you to be a disciple, Right? It's your relationship with Jesus, one-on-one -on -one with him, that makes you a disciple. And so we've got these, these kind of traits that I want to go through. The very first one is, if you were to look on, on this Facebook page, the very first one is that, you know what? It says, I counted the cost. So if I were to look at that profile, it would say, man, I counted the cost. So I would be someone that goes like, oh, this is a disciple that counted the cost, right? Now, Luke 14. Now, before we go any further with Luke 14, we're going to read this in just a minute. I want you to realize this, right? 
Jesus was not concerned about crowds or opinions. That's the one thing I love about Jesus. I mean, Jesus wasn't the type of person who was like, hey, I'm going to keep it real nice and fluffy for you so that you'll come back next week and invite a friend. He didn't do that, did he? No, Jesus was, man, he was a straight shooter. He just came at you, and whether you liked it or not, he just walked away from it. Like, hey, that's for you to decide. That's for you to make a decision on. But he did not hold back in his words. He wasn't looking for Instagram likes. He wasn't looking for the Facebook likes or the Twitter likes. He wasn't looking for any of that. But his words really were to to separate. I know that sounds hard. But his words were to separate. He wanted to separate the fan from the follower. Because many people, after the things that Jesus said, they would walk away and go, that guy's nuts. That guy's crazy. Man, forget it. I can't follow that guy. But then there was those that said, I don't quite get all of it. But man, it sure makes sense. And it's sure something that, man, I want to press into and go after. Okay? So, Let's look at this passage, and this is going to help us through our first point, but it's going to tell us about counting the cost. Now, remember, this is Jesus, okay? He, he's a straight shooter. This is what he says. 14, verse 25 through 27, the first part right here. It says, now great multitudes went with him. So he's got this throng of just so many people around him. They're all there. They're, you know, and he could have, like I said, been really just so nice and so loving and so gracious and said, man, please come back next week like we do in church. Come back next week. Bring a friend, right? Because, we, you know, we're just going to pat you on the back. But he doesn't do that. And this is what he said. And he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brother and sisters, yes, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not bear his cross... And come after me cannot be my disciple. Those are some really strong words, right? I mean, they're strong words, but these words are true even today in our culture. See, our culture tends to think, well, that, that's such a hard request. No, what? what are you talking about? And it's not saying, you know what, you hate your mom or you hate your dad or you hate your sister or your brother and all those things. Right? It's not saying that, but what he's saying is, where do they rank with me? I have to be up here. They've got to be down here. And if it's flip-flopped, then he, this is his words. He says, then you cannot, you cannot be my disciple. That's strong words. I, you know, I don't even know what those people experienced when they heard that. But man, when I read that and I think about that, then it, all of a sudden now I've got to look at it and say, okay, where is Jesus on my scale? If, for lack of a better word. Do I sometimes put him a little bit lower than me? Because I, you know, I want to do my things. I want to go after my things. I want to do those things, right? Whatever those things are. And so he's, he's a little bit lower. Or have I elevated him up? To the point where he should be. And that, that's just something that we have to kind of look at. I mean, you know, it, it could even get to the point where, you know, people are looking like, oh my gosh, what, Jesus, what are, you, what are you doing? And Jesus goes, man, I know your kids are cute. I do. But you know what? They can't be above me. 
They, 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 you can love them, but they can't be above me. And then he says, he drives it home and he says, man, even your own life has to be below me. Not equal, right? Because sometimes we get that mixed up. We think, well, yeah, it's equal. It's, it's, no. Jesus is saying, no, 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 no. If, if I am not above where you're at, okay, then you know what? Man, are you fit to be my disciple? Are, are, you, are you really fit to be that? I've got to be number one. I've got to be. Right? And he even gets to the point, man, oh, so are you so scared that you'll lose your life for me? Are you so scared? Right? All right don't you see that I'll give you something better than what this life has to offer? And so he challenges us because if we, if we're, if we aren't, if we're truthful and, and man, maybe that's an area that we struggle in, then man, we have to look at that word disciple and go, man, am I really a disciple of Jesus? And so then he says, hey, you can't be afraid to pick up your cross. Right? And I think about that where we can't be afraid to the point where, you know what? If what Jesus is asking us to do causes us to have to walk up that mountain that Jesus walked up to be crucified on, if he's asking us to do something and it takes us to walk up that mountain to be crucified next to him, are we willing to do that? Not saying that you're going to be crucified like him like that, but what about persecuted? What about people saying things? What about, you know, things not, you know, just, just fitting this, this beautiful picture of, of our, our Christianity that sometimes we paint? Are, are we willing to take our cross, right? The things that we have to bear, the things that we have to go through, the things that he's asking us to do, and are we willing to walk up to the mountain with him, to be crucified with him? Because that's what he needs to know. That's what he's looking for. He wants to know that you're 100% in, right? He needs to know that, that you're not going to leave his side when it comes to that in your life. Then he goes on to say this. For which of you intending to build a tower does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it? Lest after he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, the man began to build and was not able to finish. So Jesus was saying, man, look, right? If you're going to build a tower, most people sit down and they, they try to calculate the cost first. They try to figure this out, right? They try to see if they've got enough money. They try to see if they've got enough commitment to it and to give everything to see it through. Because nobody wants to stop midway through when you're building something, when you're building a tower. Because as, as he said, if, it's, if it stops midway through, then people kind of mock. Or people will kind of make, what, what's your deal? But see, we have to consider the cost of it. The cost of my Christianity. Man, have we, have, have we sat down? And consider the cost. So he, he's talking to these guys and he's telling them, hey, you know what? I need you to consider this cost. 
But see, sometimes in our, our, our culture, right, we, we say, man, yeah, I want to be, be saved. I want to make sure I'm not going to hell. I want you, yes, Jesus, yes, yes, yes. See, and we do this as a church too sometimes. We just kind of like, hey, that's it. And we don't really lay it out to what Jesus' word said. Where he said, hey, it's going to cost you something. It's going to cost you everything. But it's going to be so worth it. But see, we don't look at it that way. Think, oh my gosh, all this stuff. I, I, I mean, I, I remember at times um, in my own life, just trying to walk through this and, and knowing that, you know, I knew the Lord had called me to ministry. I didn't want to do that. And then I had all these friends and I thought, oh my gosh, if I, if I really give my heart and really go after the things of God, then I'm going to lose all these friends and, I, and I'm not going to be able to do this and I'm not going to be able to do that and all these things. But then finally the Lord got a hold of me and said, hey, 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 where are you at? And I, and I surrendered. But I'll, I'll tell you this. The Lord gave me so much more than what I had before. But see, it was a matter of surrender. I had to count the cost. I'm going to probably lose some of these guys. Because they're like, you gave your life to Jesus? What? Why did you do that? That's crazy. Man, you're committed to church. You're going to go to Bible college? Oh, man. That's, you know, and I lost some friendships. But see, I had to count the cost to it, right? And so we candy coat it sometimes. I know this is kind of probably tough, but we candy coat it sometimes just to get people saved. But then we don't really tell them, hey, this is what it's going to cost you. So then after a while, it kind of turns out to where they're like, well, wait a minute here. This isn't exactly all the things you said it would be. And so then they either back away totally or they become lukewarm, Right? One foot in, one foot out. Because if I'm one foot in, one foot out of this kind of discipleship thing, then you know what? I, I'm okay because I can kind of balance myself in this and be okay. You know, I'm, I, I'm at church, but then I'm okay with my friends and I'm not really having to pay a cost to anything. But see, Jesus says, I'm not interested in that. I'm not interested in that at all. There, there's just a cost to following Jesus. And we have to recognize that, right? And understand that. Verse 31. Here, Jesus is kind of like, hey, you know what? You might lose your life. You might you, you know, have your family not like you, right? You, all these things I'm asking you to do. But then it's going to happen. Because that's being a Christian, that's being a disciple. And then Jesus again reiterates this kind of same point. Okay, now you know when Jesus does it two times, it's very important, right? Just so you're aware. And he says, or what king going to make war against another king does not sit down first and consider whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000? Verse 32. Or else, while the other is still a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks uh, asks conditions of peace. So likewise, whoever of you does not forsake all that he uh, has, wait, I'm sorry. Let me read it again. Verse 33. So likewise, whoever of you does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. Man, those are again, just earth shattering words from Jesus, right? I, I, and I challenge you, you know what? Take the time to read every red letter 
in your New Testament. Just, man, just sequence. It maybe could take you a couple hours, right? But sit down and just read the words of Jesus. Man, I'm telling you, there's something about that that'll transform you, change you, right? You're going to get to know him even better. But here's Jesus. He says, what king would go to war, right, without at least thinking it through? And then the fact is, you know what? Should I do this or shouldn't I? Because you know what? I'm outnumbered. I'm totally outnumbered. So then should I go ahead and send a delegate out there and offer up, you know, Krispy Kreme to him or, or a fruitcake and just say, hey, let's not go to war, please. Should I do something like that? Or should I engage in the fight? And Jesus wants you and I to think about what we said yes to when we gave our heart to Jesus. He's asking you. Maybe, maybe it's, it's reevaluating where you're at right now. You might have gave your heart to Jesus a long time ago. And all, all, all I'm trying to get to is, man, this is, there is, this is just an important aspect of our relationship with Jesus. Discipleship. A, a total surrender of, of who we are in order to be with him. Right? So this discipleship goes against the current of the world. It's not mixed in with the world. It goes against the current of the world. And then Jesus even told, I'm not going to read the scripture, but even Jesus told his disciples, I'm sending you out as sheep among wolves. Right? He tells them this. And he, and he's kind of like, Hey, so do you want to fight the fight? You got game? Are you in? Or are you going to back out and not count the cost? Because if you, if you think about it, the wolves outnumber the sheep, right? Because we're sheep and the world is the wolves. Yet he says to us, hey, I'm sending you out as sheep among the wolves. Do you got what it takes? Do you, do you, do you have what it takes? Man, I bet you that felt good. <laughs> That's awesome. I remember those days. Good thing it didn't come up like, you know. But, <laughs> um, but, but see, that's the thing. We have to understand that, you know, Jesus is sending us out. And he said, man, are you up to the task? Are you, are you truly in this to understand that, you know what? I'm asking for everything. Everything. Yet, I'm going to, in, in turn, bless you with so much more back. So, if you're a disciple then you are sheep among wolves. Right? And when you're a sheep, you're outnumbered. You're unpopular. You're on the unpopular side. Right? According to the world. And really, it's going to get worse and worse in these last days. And he wants to know, can you handle that? Because a disciple can. A disciple can. He can handle that. Because, you know what? He's not going to blend in with the world. Because he's counting the cost of what it's going to take to be what Jesus wants him to be. The second thing, right? So would counting the cost be on your profile? Something to think about. The second thing is, um, I feed on God's word. Okay? So we got one, I count the cost. I've sat, I've kind of 
understood, hey man, when I give my life to Jesus, this is not about me anymore. This is all about Jesus. And I'm going to need to put myself in a position of surrender. I'm going to have to press in, realizing that there's going to be things that he's going to ask of me to do that's going to cost me something. Okay? And now, the second thing was, I feed on God's word. John 8.31, we've used this in our Finding Freedom series. It says, then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, right? They're believers. He said, if you abide in my word... You are my disciples indeed. Now notice Jesus didn't say, if you read my word, okay, you'll be my disciples. He said, if you abide in my word, right? Now there's a difference. It's a difference of reading versus feeding, okay? Reading versus feeding. Here's a Greek word for, um, the Greek word for abide means to remain, to stay. It's the idea of something that is rooted, unmoving, and stable. It's when his word takes up permanent residency in our heart and our mind because we've been feeding on it. Okay? Not just reading to read. No, we've been feeding on it. Because whatever you abide in is what you become filled with. Right? Whatever you abide in is what you become filled with. If you abide in TV, if you abide in social media, if you abide in just secular things all the time, that's what's going to come out. That's what's going to come out of you. I mean, I could sit and tell you so many, when you talk to people, right? When people, you can tell the difference when people, what if people have been abiding in or feeding in um, by what, what their words are and what their actions are. You just can. If everything is about news and what's going on in the world and it's this, 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 then you can probably look at it and go, man, you've been watching too much news, right? Or if it's, you know, something else, you, you just know, oh my gosh, man, they're, they're consumed with that. That, because that's what they're abiding in. They're, they're paying attention to the most, right? When you squeeze an orange, what do you get out of it? You get orange juice, right? But sometimes when you squeeze a Christian, right, you don't get the Christian out of them. Does that make sense? Right? You can squeeze a Christian, and a lot, oftentimes, man, you don't get Christian out of them. You get something totally different, Right? And the reason why you don't get that is because they're not abiding or feeding or, or having that word of God in their life. They're not thinking about spiritual things. They're thinking about worldly things. They're thinking about the things that, that, that concern them so much so that they haven't been able to turn them over to Jesus. Turn them over and trust that he's going to take care of it. And so here they are. They're reading, but they're not feeding. Right? Feeding is about abiding, and it's about a remaining in God's word, right? It's an allegiance, a loyalty um, that we have to have it for God's word in our life. And when we abide in it and we feed on it, right? We've heard this before, but it'll change your life. But see, just reading it like we read a book doesn't necessarily mean it's going to change our life. 
Doesn't, doesn't necessarily, and I'm not saying you don't, don't read it. I, I read it. But see, you got to take it in one, a, a disciple takes it one step further. And he feeds on it. That's his source. That's his, that's his livelihood. That's, that's what it comes out, right? So a disciple abides in the word. If, if I were, I was thinking about this. If I were to write Psalms 1, um, today, or if somebody were to write Psalms 1 for today to kind of put it into context, I think the writer would say something along these lines. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of Facebook, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of Instagram or the news. Okay, so that's Pastor Scott's version. Um, but think about that. We oftentimes focus on those areas so much so that if we were to make it common or, or make, make the word come to life in those situations, doesn't that speak to us a little bit? Because maybe we do spend too much time on Facebook. Maybe we do spend too much time in watching the news. Maybe we spend too much time on Instagram. Maybe we spend too much time doing things that are, are not according to what a, a disciple really needs to do for Jesus. Now, I'm not saying that, you know, you just go home and throw your TV out. I'm not saying that. Okay? Understand that. But what I'm saying is we just have to start thinking through. If I'm truly going to be what Jesus said a disciple is, then I've got to start looking at some things and saying that's not as important as me being with him. That's not as important with me doing what he wants me to do. Like I'm actually following through what I committed to. But see, sometimes we think we committed and it's just, well, I committed so I don't have to, to you know, burn. Turn or burn or whatever. I, but see, he's looking for so much more. Okay? He's looking for so much more. But it has to be your source. Let me, let me read a couple of scriptures to you. Psalms 103. Oh, I'm sorry, man. I think I messed that up. Did I mess that up? Can you put it on the board there? Yeah, Psalms 119, 103. It says, how sweet are your words to my taste. Um, sweeter than honey to my mouth. You know how, how, how the word becomes sweet? The more you spend time in it. The more you read it, it becomes sweeter. Because we, we, I mean, we can look at it and read and go, oh, well, that's not, it's not really making me have this taste for it. But see, if we feed on it, and the more and more we get into it, the sweeter it becomes, almost to the point like honey, where it's like, oh, man, I crave that. I mean, who doesn't like some honey? And, and so we have to understand it. So it says, um, sweeter than honey to my mouth, and then uh, verse 104 uh, through your precepts, I get understanding. Therefore, I hate every false way. Jeremiah fifteen sixteen says, your words were found and I ate them. Right? And your word was to me the joy and rejoicing of my heart. So what was the cause of his joy and rejoicing and his understanding? It was the word. Right? And we have to understand that that is something we need to feed on, not just read. And really what we need to do is, is we look at the word and we, we have spend some time seriously trying to study it. Trying to go a little bit deeper than just kind of that gloss over. 
It's like, okay, Lord, what are you saying to me there? Maybe I, man, man, the internet's awesome, right? Thanks Al Gore. I think he was the one that created it, right? Okay. I don't think he did, but you know, anyways. Um, but man, you can get on the internet and you can track a word and you say, hey, give me the Greek word for this or give me what does this mean, what or whatever. Man, it's got a boatload of information of things to look at. I mean, it's at our fingertips. It's so simpler than having to get the big old concordance thing out and get this and you're all struggling. Man, all you got to do is go on your computer. But see, do we take the time sometimes to just jump in and say, man, I'm reading this passage and there's something there. I don't know what it is. But man, let me see maybe if I can type something in and see what that, oh my gosh, that just opens it up. But see, that means you're feeding on it because now you're giving the Holy Spirit something to work with right? The Holy Spirit can then amplify the verse in your life so you can understand it better. So you could actually just, you know, kind of begin to do what it says to do instead of just reading it and like, eh, okay. So the cost to discipleship, right, is dropping the things that distract you from feeding on God's word. That's the cost. And we're going to have to, if we want to be what Jesus is talking about as a disciple, to, to actually drop some things. It's going to cost you. Right? Jesus never intended for the church to be the country club church. Right? Where you just kind of walk in and everything's just handed to you and done or whatever. No, he's, he's always about, hey, I need you to put in some work. I need you to recognize it's going to cost you something. Will it cost you something? Are you willing to give that up? Are you willing to possibly turn aside from some relationships because, man, you're on a, a, a deeper pursuit of who Jesus is? Or, man, maybe, maybe I, I need to, man, recognize it's going to cost me to pick up my cross. And if I've got to go and be crucified next to Jesus, then, man, I'm in. I, I, I'm totally in. And see, I, I get the picture when, man, after Jesus saying some of these things, I think a bunch of people walked away because they were fans. And they thought, oh, man, that, that is too deep. That is too much of a stretch. That's too costly. I'm not going to do it. I'll just kind of keep watching from afar. Oh, wow, look at that. Jesus healed somebody. Oh, wow, look at that. Right? Instead of really getting in there and being a part of it. Another thing about feeding on God's word, right, is, is for us to, to realize that, we, you know, it's not just learning the Bible, but it's also, you know what, when we read it, it helps us to um, uh, learn obedience, when we read our Bible, let me, let me give you a scripture. Second Timothy chapter three, verse 16 and 17 says all scripture is given by inspiration of God and it's profitable. Okay. That means, man, it's, it's worth something here for you, right? For doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. So a disciple is one who walks in obedience by staying in the word, right? The word will help you to walk in obedience. I think about in Acts where it talks about the early church. And, and 3,000 got saved. 3,000 got saved after Peter gave his, his big sermon. And it says that they, they, they continued in the apostles' doctrine, in fellowship, breaking of bread. But see, we have to understand it. They, 
they were new and they were like wanting to feed and they were trying to understand what God's word was all about and what God was saying and who this Jesus was. But see, they gave everything to it. They continued in the apostles doctrine, right? This says right here, it's profitable for doctrine, right? For reproof or for correction. How many times have you ever wanted to be corrected? No, you don't like being corrected. But sometimes when you go to the word, he'll correct you. And a disciple says, okay, thank you. I'll make the, I'll make the change. I'll make, instead of going, ah, don't touch that, Jesus, right? Don't go there. I know I'm not going I'm I'm to listen to that. Nope. Yeah, that's great and all, but man, that is not for me today. And close your Bible and that's it. But see, a disciple goes, thank you. Thank you for correcting me. Thank you for uh, giving me the understanding of how to turn and keep going in the right direction. And so, like I said, a disciple is one who walks in obedience by staying in the word. Matthew chapter 28 says this, 19 and 20. You guys are all familiar with this. It says, Jesus said this. He said, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Okay. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Verse 20. Teaching them. To observe all things that I have commanded you. Now, in this culture and upbringing, we think, right, teaching them is to to give them knowledge, right? But it says, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. Meaning, discipleship is not to learn the Bible. It's good, right? Just so that you know it. Because I can read Anne of Green Gables. And I can say, I know Anne of Green Gables. Right now, that's probably an old school reference. I don't even know where that came from. Maybe it's because my wife has been watching some Netflix thing with Anne of Green Gables. But I can read it and just say, oh, yeah, I know about Anne, Green, Anne of Green Gables. But see, it's not, not doing anything for my life. Right? And so it's not to do that. But discipleship is so that we can learn obedience by doing what's in it. Right? By what's in the word of God. That's, that's what he's looking for. Are you going to do what I'm asking you to do? Are you going to pray what I'm asking you to pray? Am I gonna, are you going to lay hands on the sick? Are you going to believe me, to trust me, to provide for you in every area of your life? So you're not reading it just so I have knowledge. You have to read it so that you can go, man, okay, that's what I need to do. That's how I follow Jesus to be a true, true Disciple. So we know that the word of God transforms us, right? If we take it, we meditate on it, we allow it to transform who we are. See, let me, let me put it this way. If my wife were to text me, okay, and she said, hey, I need you to do this. It's not enough for me to say, hey, I memorized it, but didn't do it. Right? So if she shows up, she's going to ask me, hey, did you do that? No, hon, but I memorized it. And man, I got it right here. I can quote it to you verbatim because I memorized it. Man, do you think that's going to fly? No bueno, man, not in my house. Right? That's not going to fly. So, so think about it, right? You can, you can memorize it, but man, you got to live it out. Right? You got to live it out in, in obedience, Right? So a disciple abides in God's word. He feeds on it. More than he just kind of reads it. 
so that his life can be transformed, so he can walk in obedience. And when you abide, here's the great thing. When you abide, you learn about the person of Jesus. There's no one greater, no one better. But you get that, hey man, Sports Center, it's telling us what's going on. Um, but you, you, you get to know who, who Jesus is. But see, if we don't abide, are we fit to be a disciple? That's a tough question, if you think about it. So, so would your profile said, I feed on God's word? Not, I read God's word. Would it say, I feed on God's word? Am I taking the time to allow that and feeding my spirit and, and letting it get down inside of me, right? Creating this, this, this Holy Spirit energy to live for him. And then the very last one is, I will follow the Holy Spirit. I, or I follow the Holy Spirit, Sorry. Last thing on your profile page, one of, those, one of those traits would be, I follow the Holy Spirit. John chapter 14, verse 16 says, this is Jesus talking, I will pray uh, the Father and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. Now, the Greek language has two words for another, but here Jesus uses the word allos which means one of the same kind, exactly the same. So when it says he will give you another, Jesus is referring to this, that the Holy Spirit will be to you what Jesus was to the 12 disciples. There won't be any difference at all. Think about that. He's saying that, you know what? You guys walked with me. You guys saw what I did. You saw everything. You were right there. And when I leave, I'm sending you another exactly like me that is going to walk with you. And it's not going to be any different. You just won't see me. But it's not going to be any different. Right? And, that, and if you think about it, it's really, really important. Because there was going to be so many more believers. Right? I mean, what, there's a huge amount. I don't know what the totals are. I forgot. But think about it. The Holy Spirit is available for every single believer. And so, man, that, that's just like, wow. And so it's just like, you know, I sometimes think, man, what, how would I have been if I was one of those disciples and I walked with Jesus hand in hand? Well, when I look at this and it says another, man, I, I've got the same thing going. I just can't see him. But see, if I'm counting the cost and I'm, I'm feeding on his word, then you know what? Man, I can walk in this relationship as though Jesus is right by my side. I, I can pull up a seat anytime I want and talk to him and say, hey, here's what's going on. I can do that because of this, this, this relationship factor. And the Holy Spirit is exactly the same. So you and I can have the same relationship with the Holy Spirit that um, the 12 had with Jesus. Man, that's so awesome. So liberating. Right? And, and, and what I love about this too is you don't have to be perfect to have that happen. You don't have to be perfect. Right? The disciples weren't perfect when they were hanging with Jesus. A couple of them would made, made some major mistakes. They weren't perfect. But, right, 
Jesus still helped them grow in their discipleship, the Holy Spirit will still help you grow in your discipleship. So if you make a mistake, it's not the end of the world. The Holy Spirit will be right there and go, man, no, I'm going to help you continue on in your, your walk with this discipleship thing about counting the cost, about feeding on, on the word, about following me and what, what, I, what I've, I've got to say. So Jesus assured them. He said, hey, it's just, just like following me if you follow the Holy Spirit around. You know, I, I think about I think about just kind of even following the Holy Spirit. And I don't, I, this is just kind of my example for, it, for today. But if you think, think about it, you know, you, you want to be intentional when following the Holy Spirit. And I don't know if any of you have ever been in a situation. Now, I'm, I'm discounting the phone, your phone or whatever, and no GPS. But if you've ever been in a situation where someone says, oh, yeah, I know how to get to that destination. Follow me. Right? And so you get in your car, they're in their car, and they, they take off. Right? And all of a sudden now you're so intentional because you want to follow that person because you don't know where to go. And so you're watching everything that, you know, you're speeding up when they speed up. You're slowing down when they're slowing down. You're turning left when they're turning left. You're turning right when they're turning right. All of these things, right? And so you're, but you have to be very intentional to follow them, to get to where you need to go, don't you? But God forbid if a big truck gets in your way, or a bus, right? You're like, oh, come on. I can't follow them. I don't know. I don't know where they're going. I don't know where you're going to turn. I don't know. Man, I don't know where I'm going. So what do you normally do? You do everything you can to get around the bus, right? To get around the truck in order to get yourself back into being focused on the car that you're following. You'll do everything you can. But see, what happens is sometimes in our life, the enemy comes or things that we encounter or bring into our life, man, they act like that truck. They act like that bus. And then we can't follow the Holy Spirit. Right? Because now our, our mind is, is focused on the bus, focused on the truck. Because I either got offended by something or I got hurt by something or, man, I've got this area in my life that just kind of, you know, like we talked about, finding freedom from. Those things are kind of dividing or causing us to, to, to um, not see where the Holy Spirit wants to take us. Because he wants to take you places. He wants to take you to places that, you know what, sometimes it's going to stretch you. Sometimes it's going to cost you. But see, that to me is what it means, looks like sometimes to follow the Holy Spirit. I, I got to be intentional with my eyes fixed on them. And then when, if something comes in the way, man, I'm going to move around that thing. Right? I'm going to take God's word. I'm going to do whatever I got to do to get back so that I can follow the Holy Spirit. And what the Holy Spirit's saying and what the Holy Spirit is speaking. Right? But that, that's what it looks like to follow the Holy Spirit, right? In order to do what he's doing, what he wants you to do. And so it's important that, you know what? We don't block the flow of our ability to follow the Holy Spirit. We block the flow when we allow all this other stuff to come in and we don't forgive or we don't, um, um, you know, do the things that, that he's asking us to do. But we have to understand, too, that the Holy Spirit is always moving. He's never stagnant, right? 
He is never stagnant. Let me, let me give you a verse. Matthew chapter 4, verse 4. Man, it says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Now you think, well, that's kind of weird. Why would you even say that, how it relates to the Holy Spirit and movement, right? But, but notice it says proceeds, not proceeded, okay? That means God is constantly moving and speaking, but his eternal word never changes, Right? So you could read God's word and it might confirm something in you, but I might read the same thing and it doesn't confirm something in me or it doesn't challenge me or it doesn't say something to me. But then I can read another passage and guess what? Man, I'm convicted. I'm feeling like, oh man. And you're reading it like, dude, why do you feel that way? But see, that's the Holy Spirit's movement through God's word. The word, the eternal truth always stays the same, yet the Holy Spirit can pluck it out and move it in your life and talk to you about it anytime he wants. And see, when you feed on God's word, then man, that gives the Holy Spirit more activity inside of you, more activity to, 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 to get you to the point of where he wants you to be, and that is to be more like Jesus. That's the goal, right? That's, that's the, the understanding. And see, what happens is we, we, we tend to sometimes just lean on our own understanding. See, a disciple does not lean on his own understanding. He just doesn't. But that's, that's the cost that, that Jesus is looking for. And see, when we lean on our own understanding, it draws us farther and farther away from being led by him because we're just trying to do it on our own. Right? We're trying to find the destination without intentional purpose of, of what the per, following the person that's leading us. Right? Is the Holy Spirit leading you? That's a great question for all of us. It's a challenge for all of us. And really, now listen to this, at least in, in my head, right? A disciple can't be educated beyond your obedience. A disciple can't be educated beyond your obedience because you need to be obedient. You can have all the education you want. But see, if you're not willing to be obedient, what good does it do? And so here, if we're being honest, we have to look at it and say, you know what, man, I, 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 I need direction. I need guidance from the Holy Spirit. I need to follow him, but then I need to obey it. See, that, that's, that's a cost. And Jesus is really just plain out there, man. It's going to cost you something. You know, again, it's not country club church. It's like, no, it's going to cost you something. But see, when it costs you something to do something in obedience, that takes you to a whole nother level with the Holy Spirit. Because your, your ability to hear the Holy Spirit is based upon your obedience. The more and more you obey what you feel the Holy Spirit is saying, the more and more he can talk to you and show you and reveal things to you. The more and more he'll speak, the more and more he'll, he'll help you. But see, when we don't obey, even some of the simplest things that he's nudging us towards, right? It might be just, hey, you need to forgive that person. That lady who just cut in front of you at Walmart and gave you a nerdy, nasty look because you didn't have a face mask on. I, I just could be. 
And man, I'm just like, Ugh. I've been there before. I've been kind of like, well, that's rude. And, and I, honestly, I felt like the Holy Spirit said, you need to forgive her. What? <laughs> you can't just cut in front of me. Yeah, she did. So you're going to forgive her? Okay. You know, and not like walk up and go, hey, man, I forgive you. I didn't do that. But in my heart, I said, okay, Lord, then I'm good. I forgive her. I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to let it go. Instead of holding on to it. But see, even in the simple things, if I do that, then you know what? That increases my ability to hear him. That increases my ability to hear the Holy Spirit speak. Even in the smallest things, we might think it's no big deal, but man, it is a huge deal. It's, it's enormous. So, we need to increase our obedience to um, increase our intimacy with the Holy Spirit. And so, here's the point, right? If you're going to take home something with you today, let me just give you this. Jesus is saying this. I need disciples, not fans. I need disciples. Ones who are willing to count the cost. Ones who are willing to lay it all out there. I need people who, who are going to follow me. Count the cost. Feed on my word. Not just read it, but feed on it. And then, I, and then, and then they're going to follow the Holy Spirit. Obediently. Intently. Have intention. Right? And to me, that, that's what would be part of our profile if we're serious about Jesus, if we're serious about discipleship, instead of sometimes just feeling like, you know what? I, I, I'm not going to count the cost. I'm not going to let it be something that, that I'm, I'm just going to do me. Yet again, like I said, Jesus was not into, hey, I'm, I'm going to sugarcoat these things so that you'll come back next week. And so that you'll bring a friend. That was not Jesus. Jesus was just straight out, man. And, and, and sometimes we've got to take that weightiness of what it means to be a disciple and really count that cost and say, man, do I have what it takes? Am I willing to give it everything that God needs me to give it? Okay. And some of us will be on different levels as far as what God's committing to us or asking us to do. But see, even if we just take the simple things and say, okay, I'm willing to count, I'm willing to get up an extra half hour. That's going to cost you something, some sleep, right? I'm willing to, you know, not just read, but feed on God's word. And then I'm willing to submit myself in a position to say, okay, Holy Spirit, lead me. And I'm going to be intentional today. And if any truck or any bus gets in my way, I'm going to make sure that I go around that thing and that I follow you whatever direction you want to go. Whatever turn you want to make, I'm there. But see, that's going to be counting the cost. And he's just challenging us to say, hey, you know what? Now that, that we've walked through this finding freedom, now it's time to be a disciple. And are we willing to pay that, that price for it? So do me a favor and bow your heads. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to pray over you today. 
Holy Spirit, Father God, Jesus, we thank you so much for our time together. Only you know the heart of man. Only you know the hearts in all of us, me included. And these things that were spoken today, I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you turn them into life in, in each one of our hearts. That we recognize the weightiness of what it means to be a disciple, what it means to count the cost. And that, Lord, if there's a, a, a recommitment of that, that cost, recommitment of, of, of walking this through, then, Lord, may we lay it at your feet right now. May we put it there and say, Lord, change me, change my thinking. Let me be more aware of what my profile says. Because your heart is that I would be a disciple. Your heart is, is that they would be a disciple. Not a fan. Maybe not even a casual follower or a lukewarm follower. But Lord, you're after disciples. And so Lord, we recommit ourselves to you today in such a way that says, oh Lord, I will count the cost. I will put you first. You are 100% in, above me. And I thank you, Holy Spirit, for you doing your work inside of us. As we go throughout this week, Holy Spirit, don't let these words drop. Keep them up. Keep them in our heart. Keep them stirring in our spirit so that we can grow into who you've called us to be. So that we can be in the image of Jesus. And I thank you, for our time together. I thank you for what you're doing in our lives. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for more messages. If you like what you're hearing, share it with your friends. For more content from Lakeshore and information on services, check us out at lakeshorecf.com.